Salofalava, this is Pacific Waves from RNZ Pacific. I'm Susanna Suiswiki. Coming up, the Marshall Islands sees the return of Helder Haini as its president. Also, there's lots of bad blood between Rambuka and Asari Rondondo. A political expert weighs in on the mess surrounding Fiji's cabinet ministers. And later on, I remember sitting there Christmas Day thinking, will I ever find them homes? How a cat shelter in the Cook Islands is teaching people how to have empathy. Marshall Islands President Hilda Haini says infrastructure, outward migration and climate change are among some of the biggest challenges facing her new administration. President Haini was re-elected on 27th December last year for a second term as the nation's 10th president. She's one out of only two female leaders in the Pacific, alongside Samoa's Prime Minister Fiamea Naomi Mata'afa, just two. Kuroi Hawkins spoke with RNZ Pacific correspondent in the Marshall Islands, Giff Johnson, who witnessed the inauguration on Monday. Uh, president Hilda Heine is, is the first uh, president in the Marshall Islands to be a woman. And she, when she was first elected, her first term in office in 2016, she was the only head of state in the Pacific to be female. So she really set the pace there. Now, of course, there is, there is another one, uh, a Samoa uh, prime minister. Uh, so there are two of them. But point being is, you know, she's been a pace setter uh, for the region and, of course, for the Marshall Islands, an interesting feature of the new parliament, which has elected her by a very slim margin, but nevertheless elected her, uh, is that we have the most women ever in the parliament. Uh, It's only four out of 33, but that's double what we had in the last uh, term, which was only two. So, you know, there seems to be, there, there seem to be, you know, more women getting in and the fact that Hilda can uh, can get elected is a is a is a good sign, and uh, she's you know she I think probably feels that she's got an unfinished agenda from her from her previous one uh, previous term in office, but also uh, they are just beset with a myriad of challenges and problems, uh, some of which she outlined in her inaugural speech. Uh, in Maduro. To come to that, obviously, inauguration, um, how was the ceremony? How was the, the, the spectacle? Well, it was, it was great. And lots of international visitors. We had presidents from Palau and the FSM here, representatives from many other countries. And maybe most significantly, we had the first White House dispatched delegation for an inauguration. In my experience here, there's never been a presidentially dispatched group uh, to attend an inauguration here. Like it's normally it would be the ambassador uh, who's on hand. But in this case, Joe Biden uh, sent a, a four person team, uh, three of whom coming from Washington. Uh, and in addition, we have American Samoa representative Amitha Radawagan came in to, just to attend. Uh, so lots of, you know, lots of heavyweight folks like that uh, in town to join in. And then uh, uh, the president, of course, they swore everybody in and you know, did all the all the things they needed to do. Uh, and then President Hilda delivered a 
very, I would call it a quite significant address uh, to the country, to the to the inauguration, but also because it's live streamed and on, on the government radio to the country and the world, in which she quite bluntly outlined a, a very significant list of challenges that are that face the country. And she said, you know, like the top thing in her estimation is infrastructure. And right now we're in a situation where the power situation, power supply in the capital is just collapsing. On the on the regional front, what does a, a leader of her caliber coming back into the mix um, bring? Well, I think she's uh, she's chaired the USP Council and, you know, she's got a I always get corrected when I say she has a PhD. She has a EDD, right? Because she's an educator. Uh, but the point is, you know, she she's very much engaged in education in the region. When she was president last time, she was very engaged in forum, Pacific Islands forum activities. Uh, I remember, you know, in Tuvalu, she was there with then Prime Minister uh, Jacinda Ardern, uh, Dom Meg Taylor, the then Secretary General. And, you know, that was a nice little grouping of women at the forum, right? So I think, uh, you know, Hilda is certainly one who, you know, looks for pushing the regional agenda. Uh, and I mean, these are issues of huge importance back home, whether, you know, things like climate, uh, climate change, uh, and I mean, particularly climate now is so high on everybody's agenda, but things like fisheries and uh, uh, gender, you know, gender equality, you know, she, she's very much on it. And I think you will, we will all see her. Uh, play a significant role in the in the regional in the regional uh, platforms. A politics professor says women in Parliament are unfairly targeted compared to their male counterparts. This is in reaction to allegations against two Fiji cabinet ministers caught up in a sex and drug scandal. Earlier in the week on the show, we had Fiji's Deputy Prime Minister, Biman Prasad, speaking with Alicia Foon, who asked him about the allegations regarding the two MPs. Women's Minister Linda Tamboya is in the spotlight for an alleged affair with sacked Education Minister Asiri Ranjojo during their official travel last year. Mr Ranjojo was dismissed from the education portfolio last Friday by Prime Minister Sitiveni Ramboka concerning a separate issue. But now an inquiry will be carried out by Mr Ramboka's People's Alliance Party into Ms Tamboya's conduct as a result of those allegations. Alicia Foon spoke with Professor John Frankel of Victoria University in Wellington to get his take on Fiji's political saga. The events with Asari Ranjojo, the um Education, the former education minister, who's a member of the small party Sodelpa, that's the third party in the in the coalition. Th- these events have been going on a, a long time, uh, particularly since the uh, election of December 2022, when uh, the outcome should have been uh, 29 votes for the governing coalition as against 26 for Fiji First. But there was one MP that uh, voted with the other side. 
and it's widely suspected that that was Esseria Rondrondro. Nevertheless, he was brought into government. There's been continual disagreements between him and the Prime Minister. There was an attempted reshuffle in October trying to get uh, Mr. Rondrondro out of the Education Ministry, but that was badly mishandled. But I think the Prime Minister has wanted to do something about this ever since and has now got round to doing it. And uh, what's not being reported in the, uh, in the media properly is that um, uh, Rambuka would not have done this without uh, some kind of liaising with the leader of Sadelpa, Viliami Gavoka. Uh, he already, uh, we already saw back in October at the time of the attempted reshuffle that uh, uh, he needed to keep those communications very tight. It'd be foolish not to do that. And Rambuka is not a fool. He's a, a very astute politician. So I'm, I'm, I think that's not being reported properly in the media. Let's add some more clarity then. With these serious allegations, could there be a deeper story, some more allegations of misconduct? Does Rumbuka know more than he's letting on? And why hasn't he, uh, I guess, fronted media, talked about these directly? Well, there are lots of uh, there's lots of bad blood between Rambuka and Aseri Rondrondro. Uh, Aseri Rondrondro was married to Rambuka's daughter. There was uh, some nasty incidences of um, of abuse in that relationship. It's a long time ago now. Uh, people have forgiven him, uh, but there's, there's certainly a lot of bad blood between them. I, I think the the sacking though has to do with insubordination and and and, and uh, refusing to do what the prime minister asked uh, in, in relation to the Fiji National University Board uh, rather than anything else. So I mean, you say serious allegations, that uh, I suppose insubordination is, is serious. I said in his press conference yesterday said that it was uh, illegal for uh, a minister to be sacked uh, unless they'd broken the law. But this is not true. It is uh, with the Prime Minister's prerogative to sack any minister if the minister is not doing their job properly. I think I do think moving forward, um, the, the prime minister and the political parties in government are going to have to get used to operating in a context where they need to make use of the party machinery to discipline members from time to time. Um, it, after all, if a member is expelled from a party, uh, the next person on the list comes into parliament. So it's uh, there the, the are adjustments that can certainly be made, and the former governing Fiji First Party did make those adjustments. Formal complaint laid against Fiji's Minister for Women, Linda Tabuya, uh, which could see her dismissed. Now, what do you make of this? I think that the, the, there are all these sex scandals about her relationship with Aseri uh, Randrondro in Melbourne. I think those kind of things are best kept out of the media. They're private business between uh, Linda Tabuya and uh, Mr. Randrondro. I think we should concentrate rather on her competence and efficiency as a minister in terms of her actual area of responsibility. I think it's disgraceful that some people have been putting up these images got from someone's text messages on a mobile phone, putting these images up on, on the media. I think that the privacy of these people should be respected. If there has been illegal activity committed, then that's to matter for the uh, legal authorities. It's not something to be paraded. Not that these allegations shouldn't be paraded in the media in this kind of way. I think there are far more serious and important issues that Fiji needs to concentrate on about the actual management of government rather than these private matters. Could we see Linda Tabuya being uh, dismissed as well? And is it a coincidence that these two ministers who have been 
I guess, named as part of this uh, this allegations around, you know, sex and drugs. Will we see her dismissed, do you think? Well, I don't think, uh, you know, Linda is an extraordinary new talented politician who came in for the first time in, I think, 2014, sorry, 2018, uh, with, 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 as a member of Sadelpa. She was attacked straight away by conservative Sadelpa MPs, uh, calling her, saying that she didn't have the right dress sense. The, another up-and-coming woman, MPSR, uh, Giratambur, has also been criticised, fat-shamed in a ridiculous way by people on social media. I think these are these are the stars of Fiji politics, and they should be given a chance. And if they're criticised, they should be criticised for the performance of their ministerial duties, not for all these other things. There are lots of people who uh, come up and attack these uh, in, in new generation politicians, whereas actually it's a breath of fresh air for Fiji that they're there. I spoke with Deputy Prime Minister Biman Prasad earlier this week, and he was adamant the coalition government was strong. Is this a strong coalition? I, I mean, it, it's a strong coalition, but they've had to make a lot of concessions to Sodelpa to keep them on board, and that's been a problem. I think the um, Vidyami Gavoko, the leader of Sodelpa, gave a statement uh, just earlier today, I think making clear that, that Sodelpa continue to support the um, Rambuka coalition. I think it's excellent that Fiji at last has a government that's not a military-backed government, but it's nonetheless a coalition between a major Fiji-Indian-backed party and a major ethnic Fijian-backed party. I think that's to be celebrated. What can we expect in the coming days and weeks? What are some of your predictions? I, I think that the... Um, uh, I mean, this, this, uh, these scandals will probably continue. Uh, Sodelpa may have to deal with Aseri Randrondro themselves, uh, they may need to um, uh, consider uh, bringing in the next person on the list, who would be Rotomumu Kepa. And indeed, Rotomumu Kepa would be an excellent appointment as Minister of Education, given that she's held that job and carried it out very efficiently before under the pre-coup government. I think there are going to be some major issues about the appointment of the Chief Justice, who's only in an acting role at the moment. Uh, there are some controversies there. I think something needs to be done about the existing um, Attorney General, um, who Rambuka clearly wanted to reshuffle last October, but uh, there, that was a real mess up. I think that Tsurumi uh, um, Taranga's skills might better be used in a different ministry. Under the 2013 Constitution, the, the Attorney General's position is extremely powerful. Um, uh, it was a shame that Vidyami Vosaronga, who was uh, in October earmarked for that job, had these uh, offences uh, recorded against him by the uh, uh, Judicial Services Commission because um, he would have been great in that post. But uh, he, he could still become Minister of Justice and someone else could be brought into the Attorney General role. Uh, those are some of the things I think they're going to have to consider over the, um, over the months ahead. The economy is always critical. Um, tourism has rebounded strongly, but the sugar industry is still in a, in a bad state. There are still a lot of fiscal difficulties hanging over the government for, from the COVID period. These things are going to be big issues over the months ahead. A charity in Rarotonga is teaching empathy for animals to young Cook Islanders, one kitten at a time. 
The Paws and Claws Cat Sanctuary started up a Cuddles and Hugs Day on Sundays to encourage the community to learn more about cats and how to properly care for them. Tiana Haxton visited the charity, which has been up and running since August 2023. Cuddles and Hugs Day is a popular afternoon outing for locals and tourists alike. It is the newest community outreach initiative for the charity, which has led to them receiving funding to construct an interactive learning centre to further connect with the community. The sanctuary manager, Shannon Paul, is ecstatic and says she looks forward to facilitating programmes for school students, encouraging a hands-on learning approach. We were given funding from the High Commissioner, so we'll be inviting schools down once that's built and letting the, the young ones handle the kittens and see what the cats are about and learn a little bit of empathy that will roll on into their later lives, so that was good. Paul says the practical education is necessary as young ones in the Cook Islands have a different view of pets compared to adults. Children here don't think a kitten is as a pet like we do. There's a difference here. Their pet is usually a wild cat that they feed on the back doorstep. <laughs> it doesn't have a name even, <laughs> you know. Stray cats roaming from house to house are a common sight in Rarotonga. The sanctuary are raising awareness on the need for neutering pets and this will be an aspect taught in the educational programs. I am so, so happy that we got that funding because I think with education will come an understanding about the de-sexing and why it's necessary to keep the cat numbers down and things like that. Yeah, we're excited about that. The sanctuary hosted four free de-sexing clinics in 2023 in association with the Aremanu Vet Clinic in a movement to reduce the number of unwanted kittens born each year. Last Christmas, Paul found herself caring for close to 100 abandoned kittens. I remember sitting there Christmas Day thinking, will I ever find them homes? And she did. Once the kittens were old enough, they were spayed and the sanctuary managed to adopt them all out. 67 kittens were in the sanctuary these holidays and Paul hopes to find their forever home soon. She dreams of the day when the sanctuary will no longer be needed and unwanted pets will be a thing of the past. Their goal is to see over 80% of Rarotonga felines desexed in the next five years so the facility can offer other services. Hopefully, when we educate everybody about desexing, we won't have as many kittens in there and we can build more spaces to board cats and kittens in there. Yeah, we'll, we'll get there. Extension work to the sanctuary is currently underway and the construction of the interactive learning hub is set to begin in the next two months. That's Pacific Waves for today. To listen back, head over to rnzi.com slash programs. We're also on Spotify, Apple and iHeartRadio podcasts. For myself and the RNZ Pacific team, it's all fast way forward.